0: Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodokar schaller Hi everybody, welcome to the Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to talk about Hound of Shadows. Oh, scary. But before we do, we got a lot of feedback from last week. Oh boy. Um, from all sides. So we got feedback from our friend Rob O'Hara. Flack. And Flack. And he says uh, he just listened to the Three Stooges episode. Oh, good. And he said on a scale of one to ten, he'd probably rate himself as an eight uh, for a Sto- as a Stooges fan. So is he going to take me to task here? Well, he says, I've seen every shortened movie multiple times. I own several Three Stooges books. I'm a paying member of the fan club right. and have even visited the official
1: Stoogium. Oh, i like to go there. Do you know where it is? I don't. I read about it, but it was a couple weeks ago. Ambler, PA. Ambler? Mm -hmm. Where's that? No idea. That's not
0: too far, though, is it? It's in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania's too far. We could stooge
1: on up there sometime.
0: And he says, for what it's worth, I aced the trivia quiz you gave on the show. Well, yeah. Um, He says, I love the old Three Stooges game, and my review is similar to Aaron's. It's certainly flawed and tough to defend, but I still enjoy it. The Amiga version's better than the C64 version. Uh, the C64 has re- even longer loading times, so, and he says, the, you'll you'll appreciate this, the false intro with Defender of the Crown was specifically scary for rotten pirates like me who spent hours downloading the game with the dial-up modem and were horrified <laughs> that we might have
1: been duped into downloading the wrong game. That, And that happened sometimes <laughs> back in the day. Oh I yeah. I hadn't thought about that for a while. Yeah, I could see where that would make you upset. Yeah. He said
0: one minor correction for the show. Yeah. I believe I heard Aaron say this was the first and only licensed three stooges game, but it's not the case. On
1: the oh, for no, I said it was the first cinemaware licensed game. Oh, okay. So are you there aware. was an arcade game for the three okay. stooges.
0: So you might have thought that in your mind and just not said it on the show, because he said that you didn't say that on the show. It's possible. But I did know Do that. you know who released it?
1: You know I don't. Milestar. Yeah, I didn't never guess that. Yeah. You know, Milestar didn't they do one of the they did uh, one of the latest games too? Didn't they mock three or something like that? I don't know. I think they did. Okay. Uh,
0: but he said you can play it along with the pinball machine at the Stoogium, which is at arcade-museum.com. There's a 3 Stooges pinball machine. Yeah.
1: Apparently. When so. did that come out? I must Black. play it. Give us some more information yes. about that. Um, By the way, just. FYI, just Ralph, I just re-listened to Flax' uh, podcast on Copy Fest. That's a great, that's a great one. I used to go to Copy Fest all the time. Uh-uh. What is a Copy Fest? Did you, have you not heard that particular podcast? Well, some of this our is, listeners might not. This is uh, this is pertinent to the to the show to a certain degree. Um, copy Fests were when you would get together with a bunch of people and you would copy software, highly illegal. Again, the gray area, well, I don't know what they. <laughs> so I distinctly remember the bigger coffee fest we went to uh, were at the Huntington Mall in the Long John Silvers. Really? Which is now where the Chick-fil-A, no, it's where no. the, uh, Ruby, Tuesdays where the Ruby Tuesdays is. Where uh, Ruby Tuesdays is. We would go in and the entire right side, everything on the right of the counter that was Pirate Zone. Wow! And we would go in there, and, it's, and now did they pick Long John Silver's <laughs> on purpose because of the whole piracy thing? The manager wanted some action, okay. as I recall. <laughs> they weren't they weren't that clever. And so and so we would go in there, and I mean, that's not the only coffee fest I went to, but it's a lot like Rob said uh, in in his uh, podcast. You would get your you would get your machine. You'd roll in there. Now at the time that I was going to those, I had a, a PC. That we would do it. Now, when it came to copy copying stuff on the Amiga, I really only got together with a couple guys, and they never more than one guy at a time. So that was strictly a a PC thing. We get together with all your buddies, whoever got the hot new games would now, come in and so swap each all your stuff. so each
0: person you're talking about, each person would come in to the Long John Silver's with a PC and a monitor. Yeah, and absolutely,
1: so absolutely. No, no. Where laptops. did you plug all these things into? power power strips. Just power strips upon power strips? (laughs) Oh yeah. Wow. You know and and, uh, uh, my buddy would arrange it uh, and then I mean and I went with him to other little copy outings we went I remember one time we we took a trip to the beach me and him and he brought his computer and all his discs and we went down there and met a guy at his house (laughs) and had a little mini copy fest and the whole time we were copying software, this guy was just killing my buddies, verbally destroying him. And my buddy just took it, and he just kept his head down, he just kept those discs working, man. He wanted them. And then the most brutal copy fest, I went to this guy's house, and I, all I wanted- he <laughs> It told, sounds like the name of it, the most brutal copy fest. <laughs> the, the, the guy had a, uh, I, and this is going to sound so ludicrous, but I, he had a game. There was a game out for the uh, PC called uh, X-Wing. Right. You ever heard of X-Wing? X-Wing, yeah. it's like It was a, like a simulator. Right. And so. Arcade simulation. This guy had told me, he's like, listen, I've got the AGA version of X-Wing. And that's going to sound stupid now. But at the time. You thought it existed. We were all on the BBS. Mm-hmm. There was no Mac. No one covered the Amiga. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes. You know, I want this game. So I went over and I copied and copied and copied stuff of this guy. It's like, when are you going to break this out? And he goes, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And then he finished copying the last thing he wanted. He's like, man, he's like, sorry, I got to go. And he took and literally shoved me out the door and locked the door. He he tricked me. Mm. He tricked me. And the sad thing is, I wasn't like eight, I was like, (laughs) I was out of high school, folks. That's a sad thing. That's that's pretty bad. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But copy fest for fun. I mean, you know, I always think about
0: you copied all these games. What percentage of the games that you copied did you actually spend any time with? Oh, 10, 10%. Cause probably. I know like with my, with emulation, I'll spend hours and hours and hours tweaking HyperSpin, spin looking at my list, stuff like that. And I probably played, yeah, like you said, a 10th of that actually playing the game.
1: It's funny, I'm, I'm gonna, next, next show, probably I'm gonna bring my disc caddy over it with all my original games, and mm-hmm. I thought it'd be fun to oh, look yeah. through. Yeah, and I was looking at them before I came over tonight. And I mean, you're talking—I saw a hundred bot games. I mean, these are games that were paid for, legitimate copies of games. And I've probably played probably a, a, a tenth of them, mm-hmm. or even less. You know, a lot of them are big, like police quests or that sort of things, and they're just huge. You know, and I just never never played them that much. You know, and most of what I played was simple stuff. But when you're at a copy fest, man, you gotta get every last game. You know, you gotta get <laughs> go to so. worse. And, yeah. I, and I have a feeling, now, again, dirty, rotten, stinking, filthy pirate, Aaron. I was a bad boy. Don't do that. But I would wager that the, pop, the copy fest is a universal thing. I bet the listeners in Norway, Germany, Sweden, the UK, everyone probably did it. And they had their own little stories. I'd love to hear them. I did it. Speaking of that, or not really, but transition.
0: God, <laughs> but I heard from Sven. Oh. Sven sent me a message. Holy smokes! I thought that he hated us and he wanted us to die. But it turns out that our email just kept getting sent to his spam folder. Oh no! So, um, but he said that that things are things are still. He says real hectic at CinemaWare right now. I bet they're still hoping to ship
1: the Defender of the Crown Definitive Collector's Edition soon. Now I got an. I saw an email. That someone put up where he said they were shit that he had everything. It was, it was just a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. where he said I, I think I even I may have posted it. I'm not sure, but he was like, we've got everything we need. They were not, you know, there were a, a, about a month ago I posted one where he's like we're waiting on one thing. I can't remember it was like uh, oh, it was something so you didn't think about it. it was like stickers for the front or seals for the right. box mm-hmm. or some weird thing. Mm-hmm. But I saw something where he said he had everything. Oh yeah, and so. The last time I checked, they had what hundred and fifty-one left, or something like that. I'm not one hundred percent sure, but I know it's been brutal on I mean, them. And they also announced that they're doing, um, was it Rocket Ranger? They are, they've already announced their next release okay. uh, that they're doing. I'll get back to you guys on this. I'll have to go back and re- re-examine the email, but I think the end is near. You know, and I believe that did we didn't we talk about a couple months ago that the purchase of CinemaWare. But that virtual reality outfit didn't include this hit Spin's Right. It didn't include thing. the retro right. cinema Warrior division. So hopefully... Okay. Oh, I know what it was. I think it's the release of the uh, uh, port of Rocket Ranger for the Genesis. I think that's the one they were working okay, on. Okay, okay. I'll get back to you guys on that. But yeah, it's good to hear from Spin. Uh, you know, I hope they get it together. Yeah, right, I mean, yeah. I know it's. I think this has been a huge task for him mm-hmm. to try to get together, and I'm guessing he didn't have a whole lot of help. Yeah, yeah, I think he's he's
0: feeling the pressure. So, Sven, we want to have you again on the show real soon. Yeah, just uh, let us know. We'll yeah, good luck, man. You. Um, let's see. Gary <laughs> Hucker wrote in, and he said, "I thought you may be interested in these auction listings from auctions. Uh, this auction site here in New Zealand, um, and." Uh, unfortunately, he forgot to include the links <laughs> to the auctions that he wants us to look we at. We couldn't bid on them anyway, can we? No, we? but it'll be interesting to see what they go for. What do they know? use for money in New Zealand? So he, he also told me that. He said that they use, um, let me go to the phone here. I just uh, threw you right off there, didn't I? Well, no, I just remember he actually did tell me what they use for money. Um, I'm going to guess Merkel's. Merkles, like Angela Merkles? Perkles. Perkles, okay. Uh, there's actually, they're actually New Zealand dollars. No, So one New Zealand dollar is equal to 73 cents. Okay. So kind of like Australia, where our dollar is stronger than theirs. Um, and or I'm current, current saying, day Canada. Yeah, or current day Canada, true. So um, that's that. So Gary, uh, next week we'll take a look at those auctions and uh, we'll give everybody an update on what stuff went for. Um, Eric Nelson on Twitter. Uh, he was inspired by us talking about the the Raspberry Pi Amiga uh, flash thing, you know, with the SD card. It flashes the firmware, and the Raspberry Pi turns. Yeah, it into yeah, an yeah, Amiga. yeah. I remember that. Uh, he said he's been tinkering with it, and uh, and so well, he actually fiddled yeah, with it. Yeah, right? yeah, and, he's, and uh, so hopefully next week we'll be able to have an update with how Eric did with that.
1: Um, it and, seems awesome. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I
0: mean, we'll talk about that in a minute. Go ahead. And uh, and finally, legendary Wizball on twitter that's uh-huh. his name Boy, but he don't like us too much oh no he loves us he really says, after what did he see us play wizz ball well i think he might have missed that episode and good move it never know. happened <laughs> but he says we're like the dukes of hazard crossed with the i.t crowd you, to, have
1: you seen the i.t crowd i get to be moss oh look at you i i love that show yeah and i used to like the dukes of hazard when i was a kid i've not seen the dukes of hazard in a long time
0: I don't and know i know still if like daisy
1: she holds up quite nicely. Does she? She's got to be like 90. Well, I mean, on the show. Oh, yeah. She still looks good. And her shorts are quite nice. The Daisy Dukes. You know, you're more like, I'd say, I'm more like Bo, and you're more like Koi. I'm more or like Or maybe Moss. Vance. I'm more like Moss. No. Keep 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 telling yourself that, pal. <laughs> <laughs> is that something I should aspire to be? Well, I'm just saying, how, what is your technical prowess? It's pretty
0: good, but it's not... Thanks a lot, man. That, not, that means you know, a lot to I'm me. I'm just saying... Alright, let's move on. Uh, news, what do you got this week?
1: Um, oh, well, the first thing I can tell you about is a... There's sort of a... You know, there, there was a lack of news this week. I had a, I was sitting here trying to think about anything really important. Eh, it's okay this week. There's nothing major going on. There's a, a new game that's out. It's actually not the least bit new. I guess it was in... Uh, it was just held somewhere for a long time. It's called... Uh, Reboldix, uh, it's uh, a boulder dash sort of thing. Uh, I haven't, I've seen some shots, haven't played it, but it's available for everyone now. I guess for the longest time only the demo was out. I mean, for like when I say the longest time, even like decades. Mm-hmm. How de- do you spell that? <laughs> oh, you're killing me here. Uh, it's a R O B O U L D I X. Reboldix. Right, now that's pretty good. Yeah, it's you know again boulder dashy mm-hmm. type type of deal. Um, the uh, I was talking about in the pre show, and he poo pooed me until we got on here, so I'll go talk about it now. The uh, you know, I've been I've been uh, living the Amiga this week, I've been just all up, all up in it, playing it, full with it, waiting, you know, doing a lot of read on the vampire, uh, too, to see just kind of get fired up about it. And I, you know, it's funny, I talked about this last week, I never really paid attention to how much it cost, you know, yeah, and I was curious about that too. How much does the vampire go for? Uh, from what I can find, uh, the the uh, the one I found listed for the five hundred or for the six hundred was ninety nine euros. Really? Which that's what about one hundred and sixty like bucks? Like less like that. than that. The euro the euro is only about a buck twenty right now. Also, so yeah. that's a pretty good that's a pretty good return yeah. for us. Now your mileage may vary. I don't know what bells and whistles. Like I said that the sales of this thing are. I mean, I guess it was current, but I have no way of knowing. I was also looking at uh, the progress that had been made on the uh, the 500 and the 2000 and the 1200 version or the 12,000, if you're me last week. <laughs> um, and it's funny listen, the author, the guy that's putting these together, uh, I was reading on his blog, and he has this big uh, he has this big write up on how he's had trouble getting uh, uh, certain connectors for the 1200 version. Uh, because they're they don't make them anymore, and the, the connections are real expensive to buy now. Because there's a, there's basically there, there's a pile of them that someone owns, and they're not selling them cheap. And uh, he was you know he's working looking for a workaround. He didn't seem too concerned about it, but you don't really think about that kind of stuff when you're the end user. But right. as we know from just looking for that power adapter uh, connector, it can be a real bear to find those, or nigh impossible to find them. So uh, uh, that was kind of interesting interesting read. Uh, it's neat to follow the uh, you know production of this stuff. I've seen little; they had little pictures of of the uh, various cards in various states. So it, it's it's pretty slick. Well, do do they seem like they're nearing completion with these? With well, the... they said that, they said they have something for the twelve hundred by the end of the year. That doesn't mean they're going to have it ready for sale. I'm guessing that the, the uh, it doesn't seem like the five or two thousand ones are too far off.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, you know something while I'm thinking about it, a, a fellow. I don't have his name. I thought I can't remember who it was. He uh, sent me. I think it was on YouTube. It was under on our podcast. ask me, uh, or he mentioned to me that because last week I talked about how excited I was that the twelve hundred was getting one of these. He was like, "Listen, you know, you get what this thing is. It's a, it's a process that basically it's the computer. It's the, you know, effectively it renders the Amiga as a dumb terminal. Mm-hmm. You know, I pondered that quite a bit this week because he's got a valid point. Oh yeah. Uh, and we had, a, I remember, gosh, it was probably the second or third show, we talked about at what point there's a, is there no longer an Amiga, and we've brought it up a couple other times. You know, I, can, I think I can live with it, I've decided. Uh, the functionality of the machine is still there, mm-hmm. the aesthetics are still there, uh, it still can be used exactly the way it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, I think that making it a
0: non-permanent change, you know, if you want to go back to just using your normal Amiga, you just unplug the
1: card. You know, it's funny, I was listening to Rob's new uh, episode of You Don't Know Flack, and he was talking about his uh, Apple II blew up. And everyone has told him, and the power supply went out on it, and he said, everyone's, you know, there's always this debate whether you keep original hardware or not. And of course, we had the same problem. And we chose. We really didn't have a whole lot of choice for because we're going the money to pour into. It. We went ahead and, you know, bought the uh, bought the little gimmick from Poland that worked. I mean, at some point, I think you got to draw the line. Mm-hmm. You know, this stuff, this stuff's getting old. I mean, it's not going to be around forever. Parts aren't going to be around forever. Yeah. I know people. The
0: the the model of Atari that I have, the twelve hundred XL, it's the rarest Atari eight bit model. And people are afraid to actually just like with the cart that I have the the uh, the the multi cart they don't like it because you have to cold restart the machine every time and they don't want to cycle that power off and on like that. I could have blowing it up. You know,
1: I'm the same way with the CD the CD32. I'm Mm -hmm. so worried that that mechanism is going to go out. I'm afraid to 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 mess with it a Mm -hmm. whole lot. You know, that's why I I never use it, and and it makes me feel bad because I paid all this money for this thing and then. It just sits there, you know. Now, the twelve hundred, I feel a little more comfortable with because there's really nothing moving in it, like there is in that, right. You know, and I don't, but I've got. I don't use my external floppies. I don't use my floppy for anything hardly. Mm-hmm. Any of that stuff can go bad, and then you get a problem. It sucks. I mean, I've got a Saturn. I just saw this new gimmick that lets you uh, use boots on the Saturn without having to do a swap trick. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. You know, the, the 3DO. Any of these CD-based systems
0: they've got a, a
1: finite mm-hmm. you know item one little this is not amiga news but just i'm gonna bring it up because i know you've got one i saw someone they finally released the 7800 multi-card um people that have amigas we're very lucky <laughs> compared to the people that have the 7800 this multi-cart's a bear man it had to, you have to manually flip jumpers on it to get it oh to my hard. gosh wow it's it's brutal. It's about this. It's taller than a cartridge. It sits about that tall in the socket. I wonder why. <laughs> Bank switching memory yeah. Huh. memory how stuff. Yeah, yeah. I caught. I had a look at it before before we went live. It's something. Yeah. So I don't know how big the seventy eight hundred was overseas, but I'm guessing just about as big as it was here. Yeah, not a big
0: hit <laughs> at all. That's interesting. Uh, I think there's a fifty two hundred multi cart too.
1: Really? Yeah. Um, I'll take the computer. Yeah. It's, I mean,
0: 5200 is probably the most useless Atari system because everything worth playing with the exception of maybe one or two games was on the 8-bit computer lines. So yeah. Yeah. And the 7800, well, I mean, they've got Food Fight. That's probably the only thing. They got Mat Mania. Know. That's true. That's, but then Mat Mania, Matt Mania was on other stuff, right?
1: Only on the 7800. Okay, so there's two games right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, but it hurts, stinks. Yeah, I don't have it, it's expensive. Mm. You know, for all your 7800 needs, you're screwed. I don't think there's anything, out there. <laughs> and we're not going down that road, I can tell you that. No, we're, yeah, it ain't worth it. No, um, so, uh, side updates
0: this week, uh, Dream Catcher, add it, add it always. Uh, he posted probably, what's a
1: 20,000 word review on the game called Liquid Kids. Yeah, that one got right past me. And I'm gonna go back and read it because I, his reviews are always ridiculously in depth. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: awesome. And uh, he also wrote, uh, just today, an article about what became of New Star Electronics and just talking about all the craziness that ensued when Amiga or when Commodore went under and all the people that were vying to buy the rights to the name and the hardware and all that
1: stuff. That's a good article, I read that one. Uh, if you've been around for a long time i this would have been particularly brutal for people that were in the amiga from jump street mm-hmm. uh if you were a late comer like me it seems like i was in it for just a couple of years before the the ship sank and the only way you could follow this was via magazines you know i guess back in those days you could have been on like one of the uh usenet groups or you know one of the you know one of the news groups yeah but, but i mean the only way i could follow it at the time was on IRC or something. I, mean, I, I there was. I'm telling you what exactly. There wasn't a whole lot going on back then. I mean, it's, you know, you were basically magazines is basically. The way. And, and every time I pick up a magazine, it would be like, you know, here's what happened with Amiga this month. Here's what happened month. Oh, they went bankrupt. You know, blah blah blah. This art, this the thing Dreamcatcher wrote. It's a just a you know another drop in the ocean of, of pathetic failures and screw ups that sank the thing. I'll tell you something though, because I read this article. I want to get a little wishy washy and mushy and I remember how depressing it was when the Amiga went down but I'm telling you, it's the new golden age, man the hardware's coming back, uh, there's a lot of nice stuff coming in the pipeline, this, the, the uh, they're updating everything they're updating Workbench, they've made everything streamlined. And it, and I think a whole new uh, a whole new round of updates will be coming after this this is probably I'd say without a doubt, it's the most exciting time and the most uplifting time that Amiga users have had since probably, you know, 91, mm-hmm. when you say somewhere yeah. in that ballpark. So it's it's great. It's fun. Yeah. You know, we just got lucky and just had the kind of dumb guy stumble in. Right I feel the right like the
0: first, the first golden age post Amiga going away was when the machines like the Amiga One came out and all oh, that stuff oh, that cool. Sean Courtney was talking about. Yeah. With, uh, you know, but all that stuff was just so expensive. Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah. And, and, it didn't have the full spirit of what the amigo no. was you know this reminds me of the long hiatus between the doctors yeah. sylvester mccoy went down before they brought the series back or between cocoon one and cocoon two is this with wilbur with brimley again it's with brimley again no I'm bringing I, it back did you ever see either one of those no i've okay. never seen cocoon yeah that's what i figured so, no no good oh it's a shame um Let's talk about
0: H.P. Lovecraft.
1: All right, H.P. Lovecraft, my
0: boy. So, um, what? Just take it away. H.P. <laughs> Lovecraft, yeah, what a guy! To start talking. Well, there's nothing on that paper
1: yet. Yeah, I see that. Um, I just want you to tell me about H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft was a writer. He, uh, he was doing his thing. In the early days of uh you know the 1900s there he uh kind of got his foothold uh writing for those in fact we just sort of talked about this with your book he was writing for these old like pulp fiction magazines science fiction stuff i believe the one he really made his mark in was called uh weird stories i believe was the name of it and he published an article and he published several he published one called *The Call of Cthulhu*, which is his most famous work. Um, he came from a kind of a weird background. His father had a, a debilitating disorder that made him go insane to the point that he had to be interred. Yeah, he had to be he had to go to an insane asylum. And so, HP was a real kind of introverted, uh, strange cat. He was so. Uh, he, he graduated from high school and he was so nervous and upset that he couldn't even go to his own graduation wow <clears throat> he used to uh, he used to work nights all night sleep all day that was his MO that's the way he did things um, he's known for his uh, Cthulhu Mythos which is a uh, it's not really a, a, it's a it's a loose universe of books that sort of all fall in the same sort of um uh, under this umbrella of what he called the ancient ones and the and the the great old ones these uh, these uh cosmic gods that kind of permeate his uh, books he was very much into uh astronomy and the uh this played into a lot of his books um if you've ever read like it was called a color out of space uh, was a and and he's done some other ones that A lot of his things come from the stars and these are beings that are so incredible and so unbelievable that a human cannot process their existence. This is a a, a theme that continues through a lot of his books and short stories. Um, Everyone's got their favorite stuff from Lovecraft. Um, Me personally, I I think my favorite book is probably, oh boy. The it's tough. My story, my favorite stories from are sort of like the tomb. If you've, have you read any H. Oh yeah, that?
0: yeah, I've read several.
1: Uh, the tomb is pro- my favorite. It was that's words. pretty good. Um, that's one of his early ones. Dunwich Horror, of course, is mm-hmm. is, is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Call Cthulhu is good. Um,
0: What's the one where the guy uh, his brain is talking at the end? It's
1: in a jar or something like that. Uh, I know the. I know that's, that's the. That's the story that Reanimator's based on, isn't it? I think so. He's hanging out. He goes to this
0: farmhouse <laughs> somewhere, and, like, there's these gunshots at night and stuff like that, and something happens, but at the end of it, um, like, he, the guy has been able to leave his body and transfer his existence into, like, this... It's either a brain or something,
1: like a machine, you know? And, uh... If you... A lot of his work has been translated into the small screen. Uh... The one that comes to mind is there's if you if anyone out there has watched a show called Rod Serling's Night Gallery, there's an excellent episode in there that's that's straight up H.P. Lovecraft. I think it's called Cool Air. I believe that's the name of it. Um, His stuff, he's had stuff that was made into movies. They did um, they did a movie that's kind of loosely based on some of his works called The Necronomicon. It starred Jeffrey Combs uh, as a
0: I thought that was an. isn't there a novel
1: called the necro no I'm thinking the right. necronomicon is a is a is a is a book there is a book called that but it's mm-hmm. it's crap okay <laughs> the uh the necronomicon was a book dreamed up by Lovecraft and used in some of his stories uh I believe it was authored by the mad arab Abdul al-Khazar okay I believe it's the guy that, that that made it uh but it's HP Lovecraft's uh characters often reference and or use these books that you shouldn't read; or they'll drive you mad. You know, a lot of his stuff centers around madness, uh, or the impossibility of things. And he's a uh, he's been featured a lot in, like I said, cinema uh, with movies coming, and then there's been some lower level movies, uh, and then he's been a lot of audio stuff, old radio shows. Mm-hmm. But he's also been heavily featured in games mm-hmm. um, now. I thought just for fun, since we're doing sort of an HP Lovecrafty game, we could talk about a couple of his other ones. Um, have you played Alone in the Dark? I uh, no,
0: but I've heard of it.
1: Alone in the Dark. sadly, didn't come to the Amiga, unfortunately. It was that
0: early CD title, right on 3DO things like that.
1: No, um, I played it on the PC uh, myself. Uh, it. Uh, so maybe I'm thinking about the Seventh Guest. That was, yeah. and that had nothing. That okay. was. <laughs> that was the seventh guest <laughs> oh boy folks um seventh guest was really a more of a cd show off how to do okay. it stuff um
0: not based on a lovecraft novel
1: no um Alone in the dark was like one of the first foray's into a uh three-dimensional
0: mist sort of thing
1: no it was more like Charlie. what it was sort of like a resident evil okay survival horror yes it was one of the first ones, okay. and it had like different camera angles and the mm-hmm. whole nine yards. It was a pretty good game. Um, it didn't come out on the Amiga, but it was a good game. Um, just to go over a couple of these, I'm not going to read a ton. Um, he had a game, there was a game called Anchorhead. I've not played that one, but I've heard of it. Um, this game here, I would say, is if I'm going to play an H.P. Lovecraft game, Call Cthulhu Dark Corners of the Earth. That's your game. Um, this was a PC uh, and Xbox original Xbox release have you ever heard of this one? No. This is an outstanding game if you want to get the feel of an HP Lovecraft story uh, the visuals um, if you don't mind getting in there and having some action because you have to have some pretty good reflexes this is the game for you. It's a um, first-person shooter without a gun Okay. Basically. I mean, a lot of it, first person running around, mm-hmm. R- run like a maniac, you know, be horrified. It's an excellent game, uh, and that's the one I would recommend. That They had it came out with sort of a sequel one called Cogthulhu The Wasted Land, I'm not seeing that one. Um, the Hound of Shadow, of course, directly taken from it. There's a video game called The Necronomicon, I never saw that particular one. Um, have you, heard of Have you ever played the game Necronomicon? No, I'm still thinking about that, that novel. It was Neil Stevenson? Is that you got me. It? I know when I used to go to uh, grade school and middle school, the Necronomicon was in our library. And I was always like, oh, Necronomicon. Because <laughs> I knew it from uh, Army of Darkness, I think, is where I first heard of it. or it actually, It was actually the first one, uh, is Evil that Dead 1. That, is that movie that old? Evil Dead's pretty. I was in high school when it came out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, But I mean, they had it in the middle school library. I remember that distinctly. I didn't know what it was until I'd seen, I'd heard, I was like, what is this? A creepy looking thing. But I mean, someone just took the name and, you know, made something out of it. Um, They had another HP Lovecraft world game. I think these are a fishing lights one called uh, Prisoner of Ice. I'd heard of that one. I heard it was pretty good. Is that for PC? I think that's PC. And another one called Shadow of the Comet. Again. I haven't played that one. I played a little bit, of prison. some of these are kind of old. It's not as old as what we're playing today, but you know, uh, kind of old. Now, if you want to get real technical, I mean, a lot of stuff borrows from the feelings, you know, like we mentioned Resident Evil. You could say that was pretty influenced by it as well. Mm -hmm. So, what these games all have in common that ours isn't, is that they have graphics. It's, <laughs> this game is a traditional, well, I'd say almost fully traditional uh, text adventure mm-hmm. with a few still pictures. Which that's yeah, pretty
0: much it. That's what it is. I mean. <laughs> you would not, it, it's really a shame because I, there's nothing wrong with text adventures, but the way that this game sells itself, uh, you would not know that it was a text adventure because on the back, there's nothing but pictures, um, and these are pictures from the game, but there's, um, the when you're actually in the game itself, uh, these pictures pop up every now and again, but they really are incidental to the game. They don't give you any extra information, um, so it's kind of false advertising on the part of electronic arts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> a,
0: and I didn't know it was a text game, did you? No, no. I figured it was going to be a point-and-click, missed sort of ordeal.
1: Yeah. Now, I tried to look into this game. It's There's not a ton on it, okay? It was released in 1989 and at two discs. Mm-hmm. Bo's going to show them to you. Um, the, the budget publisher, which is what version we've got here, Star Performer. So that explains that. Mm-hmm. Um, the developer of this game... Was an outfit called Eldridge Games. Mm-hmm. Now, Eldridge is a uh, that's a that's a term that's used in Cthulhu. That, you know, Eldridge Horror yeah. uh, is uh,
0: formed by Chris Elliott of Cabin Boy fame.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly thing I thought. It's funny that most of what I found, I've looked at the same thing you are. Most of what I found about Eldridge is, is written on the inner cover of the, of the manual. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it the guys that run it are. Um, Chris Elliott and Richard Edwards. Um, there's not much on them. Yeah. Uh,
0: Chris went to, he actually studied in uh, Sheffield, but it's the bad Sheffield Polytechnic, which is now the University of Sheffield Hallam.
1: It's the bad. It's it's, it's just like West Virginia University and West Virginia State. Oh, so you're killing this university. I think it's a fine institution. (laughs) Um, the other fella, um, uh, Richard Edwards, uh, he went. He went away. Oh North End, London Polytechnic. Is that what? Am I reading that yeah, right? Polytechnic. Yeah. Uh, North North End, London. North End. It's the North End. Oh, Northeast. Northeast. Excuse me. Um, there's not much on him. He's unmarried. I guess both these guys did a little. Uh, um, they did a little. RPG action or yeah. something. Yeah, sort of like, I mean, of... these guys look like they—they. It's—it's very interesting because
0: you don't normally get this level of detail about the the, the people that make the game in the manual itself. Yeah. like it talks about he's unmarried but not opposed to it in principle. Yeah, I mean, good <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> and let's hope by now he's finding a girl. I hope so. Um, it says here, Mike Lewis did this did the, most of the programming, and he got his computing degree at North Staffs Polytechnic. I guess this means something to somebody. He wrote Red Hawk, which I don't know. I've never heard of that. He wrote the Mystery of Arkham Manor, which I don't know what that is either. I've never heard of that. So I mean, I'm not sure these are even games. Um, And then uh, Carl Cropley did the graphics. Um, Apparently, he did some things here that no one ever saw, (laughs) according to what he's got written in here. Now, I had to to look to see if these guys had done anything. Uh, Eldridge has no more games on the Amiga. They had one more game overall, which I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, the art, the coder, uh, Colin McLaughlin. He did. He was involved in Desert Strike Return Return the Golf, which that's a that's an interesting game. Yeah, that's a nice isometric. Um, the graf, uh, the graphics guy, uh, Carl Cropley, He also did Return of the Golf. He did a bunch of other stuff, but the ones that caught my eye were. Uh, Return of the Golf. He did John Madden. Huh? Kind of wacky. Yeah. And then Chris Elliott did have uh, was involved in the creation of a game which I keep hearing about. We got to try this one. Master Axe, the Genesis of Mister X. <laughs> now I think it's some kind of really bad fighting game. Oh, that sounds like it's right up my alley. I have alley. not played it. Um, and Richard Edwards has not done anything else on the Amiga. Now, uh, again, I mentioned that Eldridge had one more game um we talked about this uh you know when we were doing the stream but this game is supposed to have been the first of a series of games uh, when you start the game uh, you create a character and you pick out a lot of different attributes there's a ton of them in there and your languages you speak and yeah you know and it's it's amazing <laughs> like you
0: look at the the manual here and there are i mean Categories after categories, physical skills. It's like you're rolling a character in D D. That's yeah. what they wanted it to look like. They've got evade, climb, driving, handgun, pilot, ride. As far as I can tell, as far as we can tell, these skills have
1: absolutely no bearing, right? Well on the game. From what I was able to find, is the these guys had developed something called the timeline computer role-playing system. <clears throat> This was to be the first game in a series of timeline role-playing game systems. And the and the gimmick was going to be you could take your character disc and use it on any of the games in the system. Mm-hmm. There might be another Cthulhu game. There might be an Indiana Jones game. There might be a Fight Aliens game. Who knows? But you've got all... I'm going to go on the assumption that they did all those stats because they thought, okay, we got one shot at, make, at establishing this system we'll get all these stats, we won't use them all in this game. Now, I've, I've read uh, all the walkthroughs to this, and I, me and Bode have played it quite a bit, and the stats, as far as I could tell, uh, at some points the language stat comes into play, if you can read a certain language. But even if you can't, there's usually someone, there's a person there to read it to you. and mm-hmm. you in, in fact, there is a glossary included in
0: the game that has French, German, <laughs> and Italian. So, you, and it's a full glossary. So, you possibly could just use this glossary to, uh, to translate any puzzles that you might have. Kind of
1: neat. Yeah. Um, so what is the game? Let's go ahead and, I don't think we've fully fleshed it out. Um, the game starts. You're, you're uh, a fellow, uh, in a, was it, was 1923, I think it is. And you, uh, go with your buddy to a seance and, uh, Something happens at the seance, a, a spirit's released, and it's the Hound of Shadow. And you, and then you begin your investigation. Uh, this game is totally text-based, with the exception of occasionally a picture will appear. Yeah, and
0: uh, at the beginning of the game when you're rolling your stats, that's all done with the mouse and a graphical user interface. You've yeah. got a pointer and everything. So it leads you to believe and it's really a shock that when you actually start <laughs> playing the game, that it's totally Zork. That's yeah. what it is. Uh the uh,
1: uh, there are some neat aspects of the game. There are some things to make it a little more modern. You can use the function keys to instead of typing in like examine and open and stuff like that. You can use those for sort of a quick, a quick uh, uh, you know shortcut. Um, the uh, the game. Anytime you go somewhere, generally there'll be a picture. Uh, we found that when you went to a, in, in the city, for example, there'd be pictures of a city block, there'd be pictures of a museum, there'd be pictures of a library, there's a pictures of your house. You know, but it's not like, unlike say, a, I don't know, like a Gabriel Knight or something where you're gonna go through and pick stuff out of the picture with your mouse. Or something. You don't do that on this. It's just, you see a picture. It just is to set the scene in your mind for where you are, that's yeah. all it is. And then it, uh, it goes away and you see more text. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, the, 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 like I said, the, the pickings were slim on this particular on this particular game. The uh, I went to look to see, oh, to watch a walkthrough. There's not one. So I just sat and played it for a while, and then me and Boat attempted to uh, uh, play the whole game here with a walkthrough earlier, and then the copy protection screwed us. Yeah, we got past the first
0: copy protection screen, but then there was a the second one, and we put in exactly what it said, because we had the real manual here. Yeah, but.
1: and it once... And it, and it one of the big, I guess, I guess this is something you see occasionally, but not often. Is you get two chances. If you don't type in the right thing, it just unceremoniously like, ends the game mm-hmm. and just boots you back out, and yeah. you're done. So all the work and all the time we'd spent on it's gone. Yeah. And after that happens, we were just kind of fed up mm-hmm. uh, with it. The uh, let's talk about the actual content. It's pretty good. It's written well. Both pointed out sort of written in a flowery way. Mm-hmm. H.P. Lovecraft was known as very uh, descriptive. He used a lot of, uh, uh, you know, as we call them over here, 50-cent words or- Five-dollar words. Yeah, the big words. He was really into that kind of creepy, uh, descriptive text, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, This game isn't quite that flowery, but we didn't see anything too horrific. I didn't, anyway. Uh, Maybe we didn't get far enough in. Well, I got killed once when I played it, and (laughs) you know, it it is what it is. Again, Eldritch Games had a sequel, or a second game. Um, It was called Daughter of Serpents. It was also known as The Scroll. Um, This was not an Amiga game. I didn't look into it that much, but I was intrigued just by the sheer fact that yes, they put out another game. Daughter, Daughter of Serpents was a DOS game. <laughs> I love the description there
0: in your paper. It's a detective slash mystery slash horror puzzle solving Egypt
1: interwar game. That's, that's all you need to know. <laughs> that, sum, that sums it up fully. The uh, um, I looked at some screenshots from it. It seems to be not a text game. It's something else. Good move. Uh, and again, it was a DOS game. I'm guessing it did not do well. I'm guessing this didn't do that well either. Uh, but you know, I you know, who could tell? Again, numbers may vary. I uh, did look this up on eBay, which is usually a good barometer where on how well a game sold by me. And believe it or not, there I was actually surprised that there were copies available to be honest with you. Um, in the US, um, uh, you can get a box set right now for between 35 and $38 shipped uh, if you're overseas. Uh it's a little more hard sale and you're looking at fourteen bucks just for the discs. Wow. And then forty bucks or best offer for a box version that's out now. Uh one one sold in June in the US for twenty six bucks and in France one sold in May for twenty one bucks. So there's not a ton of these out there. I can't imagine there's a big I don't know, amongst Lovecraft fans It's probably a hankering for this sort of thing just to kind of get a bunch of the games, but mm. I can't imagine that there's a big hankering for it. I'm no. trying to think if I ever played a text game on the Amiga. I'm sitting here thinking of anything it was pure text. I think, and I mean, pictures aside, this is a text game. I can't think of any that I've played. That doesn't mean they weren't out there, you know, but I've never played them.
0: I feel like with... I'm sure that they all the all the major games were ported. Like, I'm sure there's work and Hitchhiker's Guide and stuff Probably like that. Probably so, because it was so simple. But I think if you had an Amiga, if you point down the cash for an Amiga, that was the last thing that you
1: want to play. Well, and that's the problem with this game with me. Um, the content, of course, I'm into, but this is an Amiga, man. Come on. Give me something. Mm-hmm. I, this is a game... I'll tell you, a game with no music on the Amiga? That's inexcusable, man. A game with like that kind of sepia tone. The, the pictures aren't even color pictures.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I understand maybe they were going for, you know, the pre-war uh, theme of, you know, no color pictures, but
1: come on, like. You could at least, the cityscapes and right. stuff could have been in that. You know what, they have the sepia. It, 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 it screams of laziness to me. Mm-hmm. Now maybe they were just being very artistic. right? No music, that's a fail. Crappy, no happening graphics is a fail. I mean, you've got stuff out there that, Uses a very nice point and click interface uh, for your inventory. You can have a combination of text and graphics. At least have a screen up there. I mean, for God's sakes, my Coco had graphics with their uh, text images that were there full time and mm-hmm. actually did stuff to Coco. Mm-hmm. You know, so this game was a game out of time. Uh, I looked at some of the reviews here and uh, the game, I mean, actually, some people kind of dug it. Um, it had some seventy. It's stuff in the upper seventies and mid sixties. Now it got completely panned by Amiga format. They gave it a forty-five percent. Probably, yeah. I mean, I, I read that review and they were basically like, yeah, "What are we doing?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're right. Like we said, no, no graphics, no sound. That's a bummer, you know. So I would only recommend this one if you're really into the kind of Lovecraft thing. I mean this is not uh, it's not top notch writing. It's it's pretty good from what I've seen. I've not finished it, but I've we got I've got a little further than we I got about the same as we did on the on the pre-show, about four or five days in. And so unless something incredible happens, it, you know, it wasn't doing it for me. And I'm a fan of the genre, so but uh, you know, if you feel froggy and you like those old text adventures, you know, you might want to give it a whirl. I don't know. Would you put this? Have you have played some of that old tech stuff, Avengers or yeah? I mean, if, if
0: if you like it, then you'll like it. If you don't, I mean, the writing's not bad. Um, it's odd at the beginning. You have to you type wait six or seven times in a row. I found it. You can type pretty much anything. And it'll and, yeah. And so, like, it's I guess it's very open ended. Maybe that's a positive way of looking at it, uh, but. Yeah, I I just don't have the patience anymore in my advanced age to to play stuff like that. Um, When I was a kid, it was the only game in town. It was more fun, but I I don't think I'll be revisiting the Hound of Shadow.
1: What would've been awesome is you've got, you've taken the time to make a cool character up, I would like to have seen that implemented oh, a lot more, and because like,
0: you can spend a lot of time making your stats and everything like that, it's yeah. a huge part of the the pregame.
1: And like both said, the uh, um, you take all the time to make this guy, and then it really makes no difference. No. and and being uh, we used to call it a plot wagon when I in the role playing days. When basically someone drags you towards the main plot, kicking and screwing, that's what this game does at the beginning. You have no choice, no matter. Mm-hmm. You just do what it says, it doesn't matter what you type. And I mean, some of this stuff, got without the walkthrough, it would have been pretty heady stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so uh, your mind like me very. Hey, if anyone out there has solved this game, drop us a line. I'd like to hear what you thought, uh, uh, you know, overall, uh, because. Like I said, we haven't beaten it, and apparently no one on YouTube's beaten it, because I looked all over to try to find it. <laughs> uh, someone that had a walkthrough and they didn't have one. So, you know, maybe we'll put one up eventually when we're feeling a little more patient. <laughs> oh, you know what, we forgot to mention that we played a,
0: uh, a huge Cthulhu campaign that lasted years.
1: Yeah, we did, and it was, uh, it was great. My brother ran it, you've seen him on the show. Uh, it was some top shelf work, frankly. Yeah. Uh, Boat had a tremendous character in this game. The captain, in fact, I'm looking at his little statue over there on the table, and, uh, and we had a real good time with our Cthulhu game. If you haven't role played Cthulhu, you should. That's great. Uh, if you're that kind of nerdy type that does RPGs, I wonder how many. What you're listening to this show? So yes, you are. I was just wondering if there's, a, I wonder if there's a crossover between Amiga and old and role-playing oh, game people—it's—it's
0: it's the same crossover with comic books and wrestling.
1: Because I've been—I've had just—I've had a series in my head. I was going to compare the Gold Box games to what I was doing the year they released in role-playing, mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, does anyone give a crap about that? People would go crazy. Know. for I that. They'd love it. They'd love it. I don't know. I can't imagine people. Are, they got, surely they had better things to do than role-playing. And by the way, Arkadillo was just a couple years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> we haven't done anything since then. Um. So, but and, I closed the door on that point. Yeah. So But thank you, O'Brien's. Yeah, we want to thank
0: yeah, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage for donating us uh this copy of this game. I'm sorry that it took us, you know, nine months to get around to reviewing it. But it's we funny, did. we were
1: we were saving it for what were we were saving for, the when we got the green screen. Right. Then we were saving it for Halloween and, and, and yeah. last week, Buck's like, let's do it. I was like, okay.
0: Yeah, because we it was gonna it needed to happen. So we did it. And, and still we're gonna and uh, hopefully the next couple weeks we're gonna watch that awesome movies oh yeah I'm looking forward to that absolutely Um, I'd like to thank the rest of our supporters out there Paul Harrington Lauren Giroux Loggins Jonas Rullo, Kjolborn Barman Tapes from the Crypt Adam Bradley Chris Foles Will Williams Daniel Bingston O'Brien's Retro and Vintage Chad Halstead and Brent Dowdy Um, so Aaron oh and if you'd like to support us uh, head on over to our page at Patreon.com Slash Amigos Podcast. Uh, don't forget to check out our blog at Amigos Podcast for all their wacky stuff that um, Dreamcatcher is going to put up there, and Will Williams also. Um, who else should we thank? Uh, Want to thank Paul Kitching for doing this awesome graphic. We haven't mentioned him in a while. Not
1: real. <laughs> as much in case you're as you're aware from last week, there's big gashes that were
0: <laughs> forming in it. That was Cthulhu we coming meant to in. do that. Um, Let's see, and uh, of course we want to thank you for uh, liking us on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. Thanks for listening to the show. Next week, Aaron, uh, I think it's time that we do Alien Breed. Did we play
1: Alien Breed on the
0: pre on the, on the? We've uh, done an immediate plays played? on it, but with with a game like that, I think it deserves its own episode.
1: Alright, fair enough. Also, I really liked it. I'd like to play it more. Yeah. Sounds so. good to me. Alien Breed. We'll do Alien Breed. Alright. Until next time, adios.
0: Adios.